0: Well, hello there, and welcome back to The Cliff Ravenscraft Show. This is definitely going to be a podcast episode that will be one of those turning points in the direction of just how I show up in this world. For those of you who have been around for a very long time, you may remember episode one of this podcast back when it was called podcast answer man and i said hey guys i'm cliff ravenscraft i've been podcasting for years a hobby and i was just dreaming what would it be like one day if i could do this full time and who knows maybe in five to ten years that might be a possibility but i love podcasting so much and Oh my gosh, I, I just can't stop talking about it, and I wanted to create a place where people could go to get answers, and it's not like I have all of the answers, but I'm a place where you can go, if you have a question, I'll find the answer, because that's how much I love podcasting, and yeah, that's how I got started, and then there was, I think it was 2014, oh, by the way, it didn't take three to five years, It, it I became full-time self-employed as the podcast answer man, Oh. Uh, in under a year after that. So, uh, that that was a pivotal moment. And there were several other pivotal, pivotal moments. And, and I'll never forget when... It was actually a Facebook Live when I first announced that I had just read this book called The Big Leap. And I had already been hinting at the desire to make a massive transition away from the technical consulting work that had been built up and, and all the brand that has been established and all the just everything that goes along with generating a significant amount of revenue from the podcast answer man brand but you know but just having this sense in my heart there's there's a different way I want to show up in the world and it's not just as this guy who answers technical questions related to podcasting and so that, that's over time you know there was a there was a different way that I began to show up and Sometimes I uh, wavered back and forth between those ways and and ultimately I read The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks and I said, okay, I'm ready for The Big Leap. I'm ready to fully embrace this new understanding of who I am and how I want to be in this world. And I know that not everybody's going to follow me on this journey. And that's fine. And that's right after, you know, that's made the shift from Podcast Answer Man to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show, shut down all my podcast-related products and services over the course of, I think, about a 60-day process. Maybe it was 90 days. And, And I just began doing the new way of life. And it's been an incredible journey. And there has been some more expansion in my life. It's a, a even greater understanding of who I am and why I'm here and and how I feel called to show up in this world. And I don't see myself leaving the business coaching and, and business mentorship and stuff like that, at least at this point in time. And and maybe not ever. I don't I don't know. Who knows what the future holds. But what I do know is that there is A greater understanding of who I am that I have today that has not been fully expressed here in the Cliff Ravenscraft show. And I've been wondering when do I express more of this greater understanding in the Cliff Ravenscraft show? And, and, if slash when I do that, how do I communicate this? Because I, I, I I'm just I'm just curious about this, and so I, I've been sitting on this thought, these thoughts for quite some time, and then today I was interviewed for a podcast. It's called This Undivided Life by Troy McLaughlin, and in our conversation that we had today so much of what i'd been wanting to express of this this expansion of my understanding of who i am and why i'm on this planet and and just the message that's in my heart it just flowed in my conversation with troy it's, it came it really started to flow right around the second half but it, it but but i think it started from the beginning it, I just finished having the conversation with Troy, and so that that's why I'm, I'm just like, when did that, when was the, anyway, regardless, I think for you to understand the entire episode in whole, you need to hear the conversation from beginning to end, and so I asked Troy right in the middle of the conversation, do you mind if I share this with my podcast audience, and he gave me that permission, I'm incredibly thankful to Troy for the conversation that we had today. I think I am so thankful for the way he shows up in this world. He's an incredible interviewer, conversationalist, but that's not who he is and what he's done here. He's got this incredible gift of just sitting down and, and seeing other people for who they are, undivided, uh, The just his ability to listen to with curio- curiosity and, not once did I ever think that he was like, oh, man, I want to rein this in or that in. And it, just, it was a great conversation. And so I was incredibly thankful to Troy. And I want to share it with you here today because if you've seen the title of this podcast episode, it's like, ooh, okay, well, I wonder what this one's about. It, the title will all make sense if you listen to this conversation right here, right now. Hey, welcome to this Undivided Life. I am on with Cliff
1: Ravenscraft. If you've not known who Cliff Ravenscraft is, especially in the podcast field, uh, he's been around since like the beginning of podcasting, like 05. He's trained over 40,000 uh, podcasters. One of the interesting things he said on his website and He's kind of changed his whole business model. In, in 2014, he he changed basically his life. So working six out six days a week, and lost he says over 100 pounds of body fat and built over 20 pounds of muscle. Um, but one of the things he did is he changed his in at 17. And uh, I thought, and as I'm talking to him, talking to you at the same time he changed kind of the way his trajectory of his business and his life. And he, he just basically, hey, who can I work with and help? And, and he kind of shelved everything and then and started this. Um, and it was just, as I read through your bio, what came out of that and impressed, impressed me, and then I've heard you speak and I've heard how you interact with others, especially on like some other social media platforms like Clubhouse is you care about people. You, and you can't fake that mm. and that and that permeates what you do and who you are so so welcome to the show
0: well thank you troy i really appreciate that. that 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 the biggest words to describe some myself and and you care about people and you can't fake that 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 speaks to me man and i really appreciate that i value, i received that and i i thank you those are kind <laughs> you, words
1: you're, you're most welcome. Well, let's do this. Let's have some fun because this is the, the kind of the leading question uh, I, I lead with. And then we, we'll just, I know we'll have some fun. What meal or meals have you had recently or in the past that have had a profound effect on you? What meal?
0: Okay. So a, a meal that has had the most profound impact on me would probably be at Morton Steakhouse. And it's where my wife and I went for our anniversary and it was the first time I spent hundreds of dollars on a single meal. And that had a profound impact on me because I'll never forget probably about four or five years before that experience, I read the book Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker. And he talks about in this book that he can ask you maybe four or five questions. And based upon your answers, he can predict where you are financially in your life. And it's because we all have a blueprint. We all have a way of thinking and feeling about money and everything else. We have blueprints for everything. We have blueprints for our relationships with our kids, our spouses, our parents. We have with work. But, but specifically, this is money-related book. So, he says, he, could, he. anyway, through this book, he, he unfolds this psychological understanding of our conditioned mind, blew my mind as, as I realized how many ways I've been conditioned to limit myself to where I was then financially. And one of the exercises in this book was, here's, here's what you need to do. Go into the restaurant and order the most expensive thing on the menu. Make a habit of doing that, and I and I thought it's like that's ridiculous. Like, do you do you know how much? It's like that's probably going to be a filet mignon. You know, it's, and these mm-hmm. things are like. And at the time, I'm thinking like Longhorn or Outback Steakhouse. That's going to be like forty five dollars. It's like, and and Troy, I I began to do it. I began to do it, and before I know it, of course, I'm married. I have three kids and uh and it was a little bit of a challenge and and which is great we need challenge to grow but what happened there was a time when all the whole family of five it's like what do you what oh i also have the eight ounce filet (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like great (laughs) and and you know the funny thing is troy is is that experience changed that that experience changed me and and so it's it's a series of meals, if you will, if you will. It was it's a series of mil, meals that changed me, because it helped me understand that I'm not limited. Hmm.
1: Well, talk about this because one of the things you mentioned a couple times in there was blueprints. What were some of the blueprints? And probably you still have blueprints where some of you are thinking. Obviously, you're, you're we're working through these things. These are processes. These, as Joan Chittister says growth is slow in nature it's slow grass grows slowly trees grow slowly and then in essence we grow slowly as human beings but what are some of those blueprints that maybe still linger today but were some of those ones that you were facing then when you went into morton said after you'd read this book
0: well some so are you talking the question about blueprints see here here's some of the blueprints that i had and i'll, I'll speak about the money okay. blueprint it's the money blueprint that I had, my my belief system that held up my blueprint was number one: uh, there is no such thing as a free meal. Which, by the way, that's baloney. Uh, the, the, I challenge anybody who has that belief, and if you want to challenge me, feel free to reach out. We'll talk about it. Uh, the next one is you have to hurt, You have to work hard to earn money. That's mm-hmm. that's baloney. That's not true. Um, the more you hate what you do, the more you can earn. Mm. I used to have that. That's baloney. By the way, there there is evidence to support everything that I've said so far. But just because there's evidence to support your hypothesis doesn't mean that your hypothesis is a universal truth. But you Mm -hmm. can adopt it as a truth and it becomes your blueprint. So, Mm -hmm. these are the things. And and so, what happened for me, Troy, when I left my career as an insurance agent back in 2008 and I became full-time self-employed, pursuing my hobby as a full-time career… I struggled financially my first year. I made $11,000 net income, full-time self-employed my first year. Now, don't get me wrong. My business was uh, profitable in that it paid for all of its overhead and all this other stuff. And I had money in savings and, you know, which (laughs) I depleted throughout the year. Uh, But the thing is, though, is, is that was an incredibly financially challenging year and it had everything to do with my blueprint. And what I mean by that is that here I am, full-time self-employed, and I am charging at the time, and it's, it's it's funny for me to say this out loud fifty dollars an hour for my advice over the telephone, and I felt guilty asking people to pay me fifty dollars. For one hour conversation, where I'm literally talking about things that I wish more people in my geographical—let's just say—if I went to church on Sunday, you know, people will uh, they'll they'll listen to me for maybe ten or fifteen minutes about my love of podcasting, and then are like, "Can we talk about sports again?" And I'm like, "Oh gosh." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know and it's like people it's like nobody in my area cares about these things that I love if do you guys know the power of podcasts? I mean come on this is the most amazing thing, and I am just desperately wishing there were people I could talk to. And so here I am, this is my greatest passion at the time, to talk about this topic and nobody wants to talk to me. And now here I am, I'm supposed to now charge people $50 an hour so that they have the privilege of talking to me, this is ridiculous. This isn't how money works. Except that it is. Mm. And so do you see how my blueprint says, you get paid, you, you don't get paid for your, hobby. that's a hobby cliff. This is ridiculous. You you've got a stay-at-home wife. You've got three young kids. This is not the responsible way to go through life. You you yeah. Gosh, Cliff. I love golf. Should I go out and make it my full-time career? I said, if you want to. Mm-hmm. I, of course, I didn't say that at the time because I thought that it was just as ridiculous as they did. Because and, and which is why I struggled. So that was my blueprint. Mm-hmm. My blueprint, and and because of that. I'm like, okay, well, wait a second. I love what I do, so I know what I'll do. If, if I love what I do, I know that I'm not earning money based upon the old blueprint. Right. If I love what I'm do, doing, I'm not truly earning money, so I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to work hard at doing what I love. I'm going to make it extremely challenging and difficult to do what I love because then I will have earned the money. Mm. so i worked uh, 12 to 14 hours a day seven days a week for nine months without a single day off and i made it as grueling and as difficult and as challenging as possible while still doing what i loved and therefore i felt worthy of the money that came in that was my blueprint wow well
1: you said you said one of these things you need to be responsible. We probably heard that growing up, We gotta have a responsible job. And then you ended that talking about worthiness and worth. How, how, how do we move away from connecting our worth from what we do and not listening to the voices of you need to be responsible or whatever, but it, well, let me put it this way. Um, uh, Newman, uh, Henry Newman had said this. He says, "Over the years, I've come to realize the greatest trap in life is not success, popularity, or power, but self-rejection." How do you, how do we start to not listen to those voices anymore that are telling us, often, sometimes in our own voice, sometimes in our own head, our, our own head, move away from that and really li- kind of lean into what is true, not what is not
0: true. A couple of things are coming up for me as I hear this question. The first thing is to become aware of the voice and voices. That's the first thing. Many many people are not even aware. The the voice that's sometimes in our head saying, you know what, this doesn't seem like it's the responsible thing. I should probably do this. You know what, man, I didn't get this done. I'm going to have to do that tomorrow. And, And we think that that's us. Or Mm -hmm. I used to think that was me. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that helped me was to become aware of my thoughts and just observe them. Not to try to stop them, but just to observe them, to, to notice there are thoughts there. So, for example, I'll give you a perfect example of this. There was a time, let's just say, say that I'm, I'm really angry. Somebody did something, and I've been triggered, and now there's this burning rage of anger inside of me. And the, and the thought, the voice says, oh, my gosh, I am so angry right now. I, uh, that, that, I literally am so angry. And so that's how I felt. But then all of a sudden what if I just take a step back and I just it's like wow I notice right now that I feel very angry. I am aware that there is an emotional state of anger welling up within my being now that that immediately shifts everything for me from... I am angry, which by the way that is not my identity, that is not who I am. All right? Right, right, absolutely. So, first of all, the the voice that says I am angry is a lie. It's it's a it's just not true. So the first thing is to become aware of the voice. The voice says I am angry. And and myself, my true identity says, "Hmm, I am aware" that i am having the human experience of and emotion of anger right now and and th- so f- awareness is the first thing i am also aware that this human part of me this ego part of me says i am angry and that's not true that is not who i am i am actually my my nature is peace love joy abundance th- th- that's who i am But right now, my human experience part of me is stating with a voice, I am something other than I am. And so, just being aware of that is the first. The second one is to evaluate the voice for what it's saying. So, if you can get into a place of awareness and then say, you know what, let me just, let me hear what's being said and let me evaluate it for is it true or not. And then... I can choose to do a number of different things. I have everything's within my power. I create my own life. And so I can, if I choose to do so, say, How about we rewrite this script? How about I give the actor on the stage of life a different phrase? I'm not angry. I'm I am inconvenienced right now. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that feels a lot better and I probably have that's a that's a little bit of a better emotional state for me to be in right now. I am so angry. Oh, wow, this is such an inconvenience. Whoo. Okay. It is an inconvenience, but it's not the end of the world. So what am I going to do about it? And that frees me up as the actor of the state of on the stage of life that I'm in to be more resourceful and tap into my inner self to to be more creative about my desired outcome. And therefore I'm not caught up in the spiraling down emotional state of anger and rage and resentfulness and all that other stuff so that that, troy that's how i I, it's becoming aware stepping outside of yourself and tapping into a deeper part of who you are and evaluating the voice and then becoming and and sometimes i'm like where is this voice coming from where and, and recognizing it's like wow where did i learn that this is something I should be angry about? Why do I believe that this is, mm. why am I resisting what is? Because guess what? What is, is. What just happened, happened. No emotional state whatsoever can change what I'm experiencing right now. As far as the outside circumstance that is. The only thing is, is I'm having a reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And I realize right now that my reaction is coming from a lot of programmed thoughts and beliefs about how I thought my experience should be. And so it really comes down to all of the expectations I have. And if I really want to change the voices that I tune into, I could just drop my expectations. Or I can change my ex. I can intentionally choose my own expectations rather than all of the ones that that I adopted out throughout my entire lifetime up to this point. Most of which were set in stone. Uh, well, set in 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 the programming of my of my subconscious mind when I was in my first seven years of life, when my brain was not in a critical thinking state, it was in a theta state. And I just started to absorb all the programming language of the people around me about what the expectations are. Sit up straight, Cliff. (laughs) Don't color outside of the lines. You know, Mm. you can't sing Mm. all of that stuff.
1: No, there was words that came out of there: expectations, choice, freedom, uh, what are some of the things that you, you kind of alluded to, it, but what are some of the currently in your life today? What are some of the things you can observe now that are, that are freedoms from the way you used to think or some of those thoughts?
0: My, my connection to God and my understanding of God one of the things that I can I, I can speak to you here now and everybody who listens to this podcast, it, it is a massive freedom for me to be able to say a statement such as, I am a divine spiritual being having a human experience mm. and not having any care in the world about what anyone thinks or feels or believes about me as it relates to that statement.
1: Mm. And in that statement, it sounds that sounds free.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's unlimited,
1: right? There's no one else on the sideline saying no. The referee saying, "Cliff, no, that's not true. You can't do that." Oh, there's lots of people saying that. <laughs> oh, okay, but they're not having the effect that maybe they used to in controlling those thoughts or or as as, as as you mentioned earlier be responsible yep <laughs> sit up straight
0: and, and yeah that's exactly right they the, the voices, those voices still echo I, I still hear them inside of the chambers of my own heart you know mm. but but I observe them and I realize those are not my thoughts I never chose to just because there's this consensus among a gr- a large group of people about this is what truth is doesn't mean that I have to adopt that. And and what I recognize Troy for so many years of my life especially in, in my spiritual life and I still consider my, I still would call myself a Christian although myself as a Christian let's just say 10 years ago would never if 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 I okay Cliff Ravenscraft 10 years ago had a conversation with Cliff Ravenscraft today and and the Cliff Ravenscraft ten years ago didn't know that this is the same guy, right? Right. Cliff Ravenscraft ten years ago would say this guy today. There's he's not a Christian. He's a he's a heretic. He's a pot. He's a false teacher. He's a this. He's a that. Blah 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 blah. And and the Cliff Ravenscraft ten years ago would have stated and like would have quoted maybe a hundred different memorized scripture verses that would refute everything that Cliff Ravenscraft believes today. And yet what I will tell you is that Cliff Ravenscraft 10 years ago definitely had a connection with God, but had more, actually let me say it this way. Cliff Ravenscraft 10 years ago had a relationship with God. But more than the relationship with God, his attention was focused on a relationship with an institution, a relationship with information about God, and he had a relationship with a moral code of conduct. Mm -hmm. And all three of those in his conscious waking life trumped the actual relationship with the divine entity within.
1: Mm. we well, talk about, because I hear that talk about how much more I, I would perceive is depth. Now that you have in this sense of your relationship with God, as opposed to following three kind of rules or whatever, you know, structures that you just talked about and how, not only how much more freeing it is, I I think you have probably more joy now.
0: (laughs) I have, so yes, I have more freedom. I have more joy. I have, I put no limits on how much happiness I can experience in a day. I used to go around life saying, man, you know what? I really feel bad for so-and-so. You know, it's like, I really feel bad for what's going on in in Ukraine. I really feel bad for this. I really feel bad. You know, I feel so bad for you. And I'm like, wait, wait a second, when did me feeling bad actually ever help someone else? Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I can't empathize with you. I can't say that I uh, am dis... I'm not saying that I'm not displeased with injustice. I'm not saying that I don't hope for more. But there's something about our language. Uh, there's a scripture in Psalms that says the, the power of life and death rolls off our tongue and so the words we speak are magical if you will matter of fact when we write them down on paper we call it spelling just saying oh yeah yeah (laughs) all right i never thought of it that way that's good yeah that's good so words are important so when i thought about this i was like you know i feel bad so and so what what that what's going on is like listen how can I experience joy today? How can I, how can I be excited and, and be thankful and celebrate this thing that's going well in my life right now when there's so much suffering in the Ukraine? And I see a lot of this going on today. But the reality is when in your life is there ever, and under that blueprint, when in your life has there or will there ever be an opportunity to, for you to feel good and celebrate things that are going well in your life? Because isn't there always something that you could find that you, quote unquote, should feel bad about?
1: Yeah. Or should, I mean, you should tamper
0: yeah. down how much joy you're experiencing? Come on, try again. There we
1: go. And that would be in any situation, right? I mean, there's a whole book in Scripture called Lamentations, right? Um, And then you mentioned the Psalms. But there are times when you're going through the midst of, let's say, health problems. Uh, uh, I I mean, they can be incredibly serious health problems and in pain and, and, and what you're facing. But still, in almost the same moment, grief and joy can be there
0: yeah yeah and 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 all of it is, I believe, a choice. I mean, because mm-hmm. what we're talking about here are emotional states, right? right. And you can choose any of that. there there are some psychological and physiological ways that you can choose what you're experiencing and and in fact, you you do it's just unfortunately, sometimes it's unconscious. But you could become conscious of the process, aware of the process and and then choose it. But yeah, there was a time after my first year in business because of the way that I worked myself nearly to to death. And that mm. is, I mean that very literally because I ended up <clears> in the <throat> hospital for two weeks and almost died. And I got to tell you that, that even in that process, while there, th- this is way before I had any understanding of the things that I'm talking about today. But even in the hospital, while I almost died, it wasn't like I was like... I, not having joy. I mean, matter of fact, I was blogging, you know, from my mm-hmm. hospital bed. I was creating yeah. podcast episodes, hyped up on drugs, even uh, there. <laughs> it'd be fun. Probably to go back and listen to some cool of those. There's, there's a couple of those episodes out there. <laughs> so, but, but even mm-hmm. more recently I had, I, I had COVID back in November of 2021 and it got pretty serious I didn't know that it was COVID at first, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, after about four or five days I, of literally being consciously awake for maybe 30 minutes of the day, and, and I was just sleeping the rest, hardly, able, you know, you know I, was, I was able to breathe, but it, it was definitely a challenge, and it was getting progressively worse each day. And what's different about my experience of almost dying in the hospital in 2009 and my experience of COVID in November of last year, in November of last year, there was no fear. Mm. In November of last year, there was only joy. In November of last year, there's only peace. And one, and one day on the couch, I, I, I remember I said, Stephanie, I, I think I need to go to the hospital. I, I think I need to go to the hospital And, and, and and I, and I think this is, this is serious and it might be COVID and, and I don't think that there's, there's an inner voice within me and this isn't the voice of programming. This is, this is my divine union to God. There's a, I said, I, I, there's an inner voice that tells me I need to go to hospital and I I can't wait till tomorrow. And so uh, I went into the hospital. Sure enough, I had COVID and, and it was, it was very serious uh, and, but they did, dis- they didn't put, it wasn't so bad that I was on a ventilator, but I do know what I, from ev- all of the anecdotal stories and research that I've seen, is that if I would have waited another day, I wouldn't have been able to get the treatment I did the next day. So, so they dist- they just start, discharged me, but the first thing the very next morning, I was at an outpatient clinic getting these things called monoclonal Antibodies. Antibodies. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that, that, but through that process, Troy, I, it's like, you know what? If I die, I die. I mean, mm-hmm. and in fact, the truth is, is I don't even believe that statement. I, th- those words, those words don't, do not adequately communicate what my beliefs are. If I die, this human experience will end. Mm-hmm. But I will live on Be- eternally. Mm hmm. And and I will not be. I I, I don't feel like I need to grieve the loss of my little pup. Which, by the way, I, this is probably just an audio podcast, but I'm I'm sitting here loving on my little dog, sitting here in my lap. My wife dropped him off here. You know, I yeah. I, I won't <clears throat> grieve the loss of my wife, and I won't grieve the loss of my kids, and I won't fear for what their experience in this world will be without me, because. I I am I and the Father are one, which is what Jesus prayed in the garden he, right before mm-hmm. he was arrested. He says, "Father, uh, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one." And I believe that I am with my Father in heaven, not just in heaven, but here on earth. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And and I am already eternally united. I am already in heaven and on earth. I am in this world, but have come to the understanding that I'm not of this world. And so for me, the, the, the joy and the, and the love and the peace and the abundance knows that I'm an unlimited divine spiritual being. Mm-hmm. And it's, really it's my knowing of that <laughs> that allows me to follow all of those things that Jesus talked about in scripture. Be anxious about nothing. Don't worry about any. Don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you drink. Don't do. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things. Matter of fact, ask for anything in my name, and it will be given to you. Anything. And and the interesting thing he says: seek first the kingdom of God. And and somebody asked him once, "When will the kingdom of God appear?" He said, and Jesus said, "I tell you the truth." He said, which I love that he says this, you know, I I tell you the truth. This time I'm not lying. No, He, he wanted to emphasize, this is the truth. He says, nobody will be able to tell you what day and what hour, and nobody's going to be able to say, look up there in the sky, here it comes. He goes, because the kingdom of God is within you. If you could just remember your source of how you came to be, here that is the that is the kingdom of god
1: mm. well Cliff, you said something <clears> he <throat> said remember oftentimes uh, my, my co-host scott calls us leaky vessels we forget a lot right and then one of the themes of this show is talking about our practices um And Tish Warren had said this, she says, examining my daily liturgy as a liturgy, as something that both revealed and shaped who I love and worship, allowed me to realize my daily practices were malforming me, making me less alive, less human, less able to give and receive love throughout the day. And then she says, changing this ritual allowed me to perform, to form a new repetitive and contemplative habit that pointed me toward a different way of being in the world.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's my experience as well.
1: <clears throat> and, and like you had said, this is a practice. How do we start to, what are so okay, let me ask you this. Because it's a practice and you do this, what are some of the questions you ask yourself? Or what are some good questions that even someone who's listening to the show, what, hey, how can I ask some questions on a daily basis? Kind of a... When I'm maybe walking through some of these experiences, you talked about anger, all these other things. What are some of the good questions to reform, to maybe even refute some of the voices that I hear that may not be
0: true? Wow, so many good questions to to give you. Uh, I'm a huge fan of journaling, by the way. And so one of the things that really got me started is the question, who am I? Now, I'm not going to lead anyone into thinking about what you might consider as who you are, but I would just, because let me just tell you, when I first asked this when I first journaled the answer to who am I, I'm like, well, I am a podcast, a new media consultant who helps people, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, is that really who I am?
1: <laughs> well, I'm a, hus-
0: I, I am a husband and a father and blah, is that really who I am? And, and so, um, so what, the first thing that I would recommend is just begin a practice, cr- create a journal prompt that is nothing more than the question, who am I, question mark. And then just whatever comes up in your mind or, your, or from your heart, either one, just, just type it out, write it out, whatever. And I would encourage you to come back maybe a day later, a week later, a month later, a, a quarter later, a year later, and use that journal prompt again. The only thing that I, re- I do recommend and that I would steer you towards is do not go back to the previous answers and just mm-hmm. start today. Based upon where I am today, who am I? And what I noticed, Troy, is when I journaled this, um, my, I became more and more clear about who I am as I continued to ask that question. It's it's amazing how that's evolved. Which, by the way, if you ask me, who Cliff? Who are you? I am a divine spiritual being having a human experience. Mm. I am one with God. That that's that's who that's where I came to. But let me tell you, I did not get there overnight. <laughs> so the second question in another journal prompt: Why am I here? Mm. The dash. Why am I here? And, and so that's a good question to ask. And the third question that I would encourage everyone to ask and to journal often, what do I want? What do I want? And this is a challenge for a lot of people. So at my Free the Dream conference, I often give people this exercise. It's We create this list. It's the 50 things I want list. And I tell people to write, take out a piece of paper on the left-hand column, go from top to bottom, one through 25, flip it over, 26 through 50. Now at the top of the first page, type in fifty or write in 50 things I want. And here's the here's the assignment. Here's the here's the assessment. If you want to do this, you're going to ask yourself, what do you want? And anything and everything that comes to your mind comes from your mind or your heart it has to be put down in one of the slots. Here's the caveat, you must not ask yourself, is this possible? You must not ask yourself, is this selfish? You must not run it through the filter, is this materialistic? You must not concern yourself, what would people think if they saw that I wrote this on this list? If you could allow yourself in the privacy of your own being, to actually write down 50 things you want in life, it will help you to start discover more and more about how to answer those first two questions.
1: You said something that was really interesting. You said filter. How do we start to recognize those filters?
0: Well, look for anything that makes you feel bad Mm. and ask, why, why do I feel bad? So, for example, if all of a sudden I get on, if, if, let's just say you're on a weight loss journey, all right? If you get on the scale and you recognize, you know, you've been making some progress, and then let's just say for the last three days straight, you've been plateaued, or maybe even went up a half a pound or something like that. How does that make you feel inside? If you do not feel peace, love, joy and pure acceptance and non-judgment and zero criticism, if you are not fully in love with yourself as you are, if you're feeling any negative emotion related to that experience, ask yourself, why do I feel this way? And what you, if you do enough of this work, if you dig deep enough, you will find out that it is not you it, those are not your thoughts. Those are not your beliefs that are causing you to feel that way. You adopted them from the voices of others. Mm. And that's a no. filter. I, I, right. I am successful as long as I don't weigh this much. I am successful as long as I live up to this. I am successful. I, I have the, uh, I have, it, it is okay for me to feel happy. It is okay for me to feel prosperous. It is okay for me to feel joy if I live up to these standards. And then ask yourself, who sets those standards? Mm. And you have two choices, others or yourself.
1: Yeah, and you said that word right in there, that that if word,
0: if. Yeah. Yeah. And we all have this ability. that's the, that, that's why I like to my favorite my favorite thing to, that I've learned on this journey is life is created and mm. we and we created it. If you can understand the power of that statement, you'll understand that you're not a victim of anything. And I know that that's an incredibly triggering statement for some people who've been through some horrific things. I know that I've experienced some horrific things. My my wife was sexually abused when she was a toddler by her stepdad. So I, I trust me. I understand that things happen, but but still, it's it's not it's not what happens to you. It's how do you respond to it? Do you say ch- that again? Say that again. It, that's really important. It's not what happens to you in this world. It's how do you re- choose to respond to it and and most people don't choose to respond to it they they habitually react to it
1: ooh that's really good
0: and your reaction is a choice it's just an unconscious choice it is a hypnotic choice so troy let me ask you this you you work for a company that you said you've been working for this company for quite some time and uh I would imagine that you drive to work to go pick up, you know, to start your work day. Is that correct? Correct. And so let me ask you this. When you drive home, have you ever had this experience? Have you ever drove home, got into the car, you're in the parking lot at work, and then you drove home? and you have absolutely zero recollection of ever touching the gas pedal ever touching the parking the 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 brake of the car you have zero recollection there's no recollection whatsoever i don't remember ever turning a turn signal on i don't even remember seeing a single tree i don't remember seeing another car or or seeing another human being behind the wheel of another car have you ever had this experience? Maybe.
1: I mean, I as I look back, one of the things I may have forgotten that I've had the experience, but there have been times I would say there've been mo, you know, se- sections of drives where I've just been oblivious to what was going on.
0: So what th- what this is is it's called a hypnotic rhythm. We actually our, our subconscious mind are is is so incredibly powerful. I mean, it is it is just unfathomable just how powerful we are as human beings that we could literally drive a car and not crash and not even be consciously aware of the fact that we're driving a car think about Mm. that yeah see tesla has nothing on us that is more accurate of a statement than you can possibly imagine
1: well i Um, saw one on the road the other day that crash so apparently
0: well and, and and the thing is 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 right. there are there are humans that do the same thing right but th- there may be reasons for that in the programming the, the same the same yeah. thing that calls the tesla car it, it's it's a it's the fallibility of the programming that caused that right. crash and it's the We're same just, thing with humans. With humans, right? <laughs> we'll t-
1: we'll talk about this because you referenced your wife, and we certainly won't go to her store, But talk about—I interviewed Chuck to and he talked about this idea of self-care. He said, and, and he said this: a, this wasn't um, a book that he wrote. One of the, hes written, I think, one or two books, but this was on, on an essay he'd done earlier. And he's a psychologist, and he said this was the ancient art called. Curum uh, and Amerum, the care of souls, he says, and the wisest therapist will foster this process. Now, the vast majority of cl- clinicians practicing today have been trained in fix it strategies, cognitive behavioral uh, solution based process, which are aimed at quick, painless fixes. This is what sells. This is what insurance tends to pay for. But there is a profound difference here. Fix it strategies try to remove pain while deep soul care. Attempts to learn from it. Sometimes in the process, we are afforded the mercy of pain relief, but it is not the goal. So talk, talk about this. We are in this process when we go through these process, especially taking care of ourselves. We may not be afforded a pain relief, but it's it's deep soul care. And and I know that we often and because you talked about this idea of well, if I do this for myself, I might feel guilty because somebody else in the world is. You know, at their at their worst, right? But because you you, I mean, as you led in your um, bio, Cliff needed to take care of Cliff. Cliff was on a on a
0: really bad path health wise, and it wasn't going to end well, right? Well, there are, there are two statements in your reading that you just did that really resonated with me. One was deep soul care. Mm-hmm. there's another phrase you said self-care and then there was the the caveat about it may not be the alleviation of pain <clears throat> so and and those are those I just wanted to point out those are things that resonated with me but then you asked I, I don't know did you ask me a question just now <laughs> I think I did, but okay. The mind, cause, cause, the mind went, went a little. A I, I little think bit, so. it was because If I go back to what you said at the very end was you know Cliff needed to take care of himself, didn't he? And and the, I guess maybe if that's the question, then the answer is yes. But um, I'd what I, if if it's okay, Troy? I'd like to go into this this self care. You know, this, yes, absolutely. This, deep, this what what was it? This deep soul. What.
1: Uh, was it deep soul work or yeah? Uh, there was a I, phrase. To, <laughs> come on, uh, uh, care. Fix the strategies. It was about the soul, deep soul. Okay,
0: is it, it's, it's fix it? Try to remove pain while deep soul care attempts to learn from it. Okay, deep soul yeah. care. Those yeah. those th- deep. So- that's the first time I've heard those three words spoken. Boy, that's a powerful. That would be a powerful spell if you will, or magical formula, that deep soul care. You know, there's this scripture that it reminds me of. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are overwhelmed and heavily burdened. And uh, I will, and, and, and he says, if you, if you will, he says, take my, take my yoke. By the way, the Greek word, I think uh, in Sanskrit, or the actually it, it, in one translation, it translates into this word called zugos or I mm-hmm. think is what it's called, zugos, and it means union, and in Sanskrit, the zugos can be translated two different ways. It could be yoke, which is that wooden thing that keeps, you know, oxen, you know, in line with one another, which is a powerful way, and it's how it's been translated most, most ways, but also in Sanskrit, it can also be translated into the word Yoga which is, you know, the Hindu practice of, and and other Eastern practices of yoga, uh, which is union. And and yoke and yoga both mean union. And so Jesus says, come to me and be in union with the divine and I will give you rest for your soul. Mm. Now, go look this scripture up for those who are inclined to do so. Go look for the my, for my yoke is easy. Look just just do a search for that phrase, go find that verse and find where he says and I will give you rest for your soul. He will give you the deep soul care you need. Mm-hmm. No, even you say that. It doesn't you don't you almost feel like oh. I <laughs> dude, it is more oh. As you could possibly imagine, it is, it, and and this is where you talk about pain. So before I got into my latest chapter of where I am currently in my spiritual journey, I was studying uh, works and books related to clinical hypnotherapy, and there's there's plenty of documented scientific proof. That you can get, you can be hypnotized into a certain uh, brainwave state, where it effectively becomes uh, what an an an, anesthesi- an anesthetic result. So <laughs> there are some people out there who absolutely do not believe in in certain medications or whatever, and so they will bring in somebody who is a clinical hypnotherapist before surgery. And they will get them in a deep trance state. And that person will not experience the physical pain. And that is because their awareness has been dropped out of the physical and the and the awareness is dropped into the, the deep recesses of the soul state.
1: Mm. So, well, I, I'd read somewhere, and I can't recall where it was, but pain is only
0: in the mind. It, it it's yeah it's a part of our physical yeah. experience and right. and we can go within and and this is we can be in the body but not of the body and who's the we i I can be in the world but not of it I can be in the body but not of it so I have a body but who is the I in that statement? I I, I am not the body.
1: Right. Cliff, as you say that, I think of C.S. Lewis. He says, I'm not a body with a soul. I am a soul that has a body.
0: That sounds a lot like I am a divine (laughs) spiritual being having a human experience. Yeah. And I can choose to be comp- I can choose to be fully engrossed in my physical state if I choose to do so. and And for most of my life, I did. I was all about my physical body. I believed I was my body. I believed I am Cliff Ravenscraft, which that's nothing more than a label. You know, I believe that I am a husband. It, which it it is a it is a characteristic and a trait that I have adopted and a, consciously and I love and have been married very blissfully for more than twenty five years of my life. I love my wife, but that's not who I am. It is, it is a part. It is a it is a fractal of who I am. And if I want to, at any moment in time, I could choose to get down on my knees or I could be go out for a walk or I could sit down in silent meditation, whatever the case may be. And I can go within and I can choose to put my awareness away from the five senses of my body. I can choose to take my awareness away from my logical thinking mind and I can experience the blissful state of, of soul union with God, mm. the kingdom of God within. No, that's that's really that's really good. I can't I can't finish up anything better to say than that. <laughs> the, the, the cool thing and, and now in the physical body, if we ch- if our awareness is in the physical body, which it is a majority of the time for us. Uh, it it's it, by the way. All of it within our conscious is within our control. We can all choose to be in our conscious body, and we we choose to do so most of the time unconsciously. We make that decision, and for some of us, we may not think that we have the freedom to do the things that Cliff just said because that sounds like divination and occultism and <laughs> all kinds of other stuff, which I had to get over I, so much <laughs> of that stuff. But. What, what is interesting is that when we're in this physical experience, I want to go to that statement. It may not be the alleviation of pain. And, and that, if, if we remain, if we take our spirit or soul and we take our consciousness and focus our awareness in the physical body, meaning that we're in this world, we're awake, and, and if there is pain or dis-ease, dis-ease in the body— then we will experience that pain. But here's the one thing I just want to say. Even in the physical experience, being purely, fully identified in the body, suffering is still a choice. Mm. Pain may Mm. not be in that state, but suffering is always your choice. And and most of the time, it's an unconscious choice that most people choose.
1: Where are some of the as you look back in your life what are some of the things that you entered into suffering where now as you look back ooh that was that was my choice to be suffering as opposed to just being
0: in pain oh gosh there whenever my bank account looks like it's gonna run empty uh, whenever you know I, I there have been times in my business i'm i'm full-time self-employed And let me tell you, I I can get really excited and and filled with all sorts of what I would call sometimes happiness or what I used to call happiness and all this other stuff. I'd be really happy if, you know, here as a solopreneur working three days a week, uh, I went 18 months making $30,000 a month you know, working 12 hours a week. It's like, ah, yes. And then all of a sudden, I, I, as a result of all of that margin in my life, I got so heavily ingrained and focused over here. And and next thing you know, I went like nine months without doing any prospecting for new clients. And, and what happened is like, huh, this is interesting. After people make a commitment to work with me for one year and their one year is up... <coughs> I might want to have new clients to replace that income. And so so Troy, where there in a past where all of a sudden it's like, wow, it's like, man, I've been for 18 months straight, I've been averaging $29,500 a month every single month consistently. And within 90, by the way, I went from $20,000 to $30,000 within a 90-day period because of some prospecting work that I had done. But also one year later, within 90 days, I went, I dropped more than $10,000 a month within 90 uh. days. And I can tell you right now I've I've you know as an entrepreneur there th- th- this is the most recent experience is is I had this, but here's what I will tell you Troy, I did not experience an ounce of suffering mm. in that. However, in the past I'd had interestingly enough Okay, interestingly enough, there had been times when I had been consistently making, you know, let's just say $15,000 to $20,000 a month, consistently. And then all of a sudden, one client leaves, and I experience frustration, uh, lack of self worth. La- a, a, a ding to my self confidence. Maybe I'm not worthy of this. Maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. And 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 oh my gosh, I'm a failure financially as a husband. I and and I would spiral and all. And dude, let me tell you, I can get some suffering going. But but what I and and the, and the funny thing is, is that's nothing to compare to what I just experienced at you know at the end, right around the middle of 2021. And and I gotta tell you, I. I I not, not an ounce of my peace love joy abundance satisfaction fulfillment in life not once and and my my income was projected to go down to 13,000 as far as recurring revenue and my Troy, imagine if you were used to for 18 months making $30,000 a month and you're looking at your forecast month to month moving forward going, being $13,000 a month, which by the way, at this point, my standard of living and how I do, and I got three kids in college, actually two kids in college now because one just graduated, and I have this standard of wanting to be debt-free and all this other stuff, right? So I, I, I like to live a debt-free life. So all of a sudden, imagine... Just, it's like 20,000 is what I need and I got a $7,000 deficit and, and there, the, the old me would have said I need to really feel bad about this I need to suffer I need to, I need to experience a lot of stress over this situation because you know what and oh my gosh Troy I used to say these words you know what stress really motivates me you know if I didn't have stress I sometimes wouldn't take action on the things that I need to do But you know what? I haven't experienced an ounce of stress in this. And and the interesting thing is, is that everything's always worked out. Be anxious about nothing. Seek first the kingdom of God. Go within, know that you're an unlimited divine being, spiritual being, having a human experience, that if you come here and ask in my name. And I have my own understanding of what in, in my name, because there's a lot of in my names. If you ask for and believe and not doubt in my name, you could have anything. It's over and over again. And for me, where I've come to is where in my name means is if you can be in alignment as far as in your understanding that you and I are one, that you are not your body, you are not this human experience, You, I, I, I called you to be in the world but not of it, be of me and anything you want and ask when you are in a complete understanding and knowing of your oneness with me, in this place, in this name, you can ask anything here and everything will be given to you out there. Mm. And, and say, now yeah. let me let me just say, say a couple of things. With yes. that being said, every single month that my income was projected to be 13,000, I've always had clients who said, "Cliff, yes, I'll sign up for your $12,000 program. Do you mind if I pay 6,000 this month and 6,000 next month?" Well, that <laughs> brings me to 19, you know, or what is it? Yeah, 19k right there for this month and next month thank you. All right. And then all of a sudden, and and then of course I get a new client. Yes, Cliff, I'll pay a thousand dollars a month. And then it's like, oh, well there's 20 K right there. But now those two months go by. Right. And i and, and two clients paid or one client paid in full, but in, in two different installments. So that took care of two months. And there's two months I hit 20 K, which is my minimum that I need. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well now I'm looking at $14,000 a month. Oh, now should I feel bad? No, just don't worry about it. Not a big deal. So here, so here it is, it's this. And then all of a sudden, two more clients who have been with me for four years, maybe say, hey, after four years, I think I'm going to go invest in some other things. I'm like, oh, that brings me down to 12K. No. Did I experience that? No. Dude, do you know what I did? I celebrated. I got on the phone with them and said, let me tell you all the things I appreciated about the four years that we've been journeying together. And I have no lack of peace, love, joy. I have no suffering. And you know what? I'm not out there freaking out. I'm just doing what I'm doing, just saying in, in, my, in my oneness with God, hey, if there's somebody out there who could benefit from what I'm doing, will you bring them along just out of nowhere, seeming like as if it, there's any such thing as a coincidence, but then all of a sudden a new client comes on and says, you know what? I'd like to pay you in full $12,000. Huh, $12,000 recurring, $12,000 paid in full. That's twenty four k, and and Troy, I I just I just love watching the adventure. And here's what I want to say, especially for anybody who's listening to all of this very closely. What I can tell you is that even if my income drops to zero, even if people heard my this particular podcast episode, let me ask you a question, Troy. Do you mind if I take my recording of this and put it out as an episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show? Oh, that'd be awesome. All right. And and so, get a, let me give you a promo for your show. What's the name of this podcast? It is This Undivided Life. And where can they find This Undivided Life? Anywhere you get your podcast. So, look for This Undivided Life with Troy McLaughlin, right? Yep. All right. So, what if people heard this episode of the cliff ravenscraft show and there's like oh my gosh i didn't know cliff was this far off the deep end i was really thinking about hiring him or what if there's some people who have hired me who are my current clients and they hear me say things that i've said in this conversation and they all leave me do you think i would experience suffering no none 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 even if even if nobody would ever want to hire me again even if i had no income even if i had to go get a minimum wage job even if i got behind on my mortgage even if i had to take out credit cards and max them out even if i owed the federal government hundreds of thousands of dollars, even if they foreclosed on my home even if My dog and my family died. Even all of this stuff, there is nothing that can take me away from who I am. Mm. Mm. It
1: just reminds me, I've been thinking of this illustration for a long time, and I was telling a friend of mine about it, and where you walk into your pitching, let's say, four billionaires, maybe Grant Cardone and some of his buddies, maybe uh, Cubans in there. And you're you're going in the shark tank and you've got this brilliant idea and you walk in and you just fall all over yourself. You, you just screw the whole thing up. You spent months trying to do this. They look and they just kind of they, they laugh at you as you walk out. But what you realize, and what you said, is you know that those people can't take away your value or your worth because your value and your worth are infinite. They're already there. There's nothing that they. Certainly, you could have done better at your presentation. Certainly, you could have practiced more. Certainly, you could. Have, but there's nothing that you walked in with that they t- that that as you walk out that they never took away.
0: Yeah. When we put our value on the external then the then our value can be taken away that's really good say that again when we put our value and our worth on anything externally it can and will be taken away but if it, if it's if your value and your worth is found within yourself not dependent upon any relationship and by relationship i mean any relationship with any human being with your relationship with any circumstance or organization or or bank financial situation or even your own physical fitness and health journey I, dude i got caught up in that you know it, and and it, even that i mean i could i could gain all the way back if if i were to to completely go off keto start eating sugar crazily if i were to so even though I've told the world, I'm never going to do this again, you know, and all this other stuff. And, and and all of a sudden they have to bury me in a piano box because I weighed 550 pounds when I died. None of, none of that would even change an ounce of my worth. Mm. Because I am not this body. Right. I mean, it, this, I, I don't know that
1: you, in a sense, if people are listening, whoever listens to this, just what you said, and echoing what I said and what you said before, if you lean into this, uh, Brendan Manning talked about this. He's, he says, you know, one question he says, I believe that Jesus will ask us at the end, he said, is this, did you really believe I loved you? He says, because none of us are who we should be. <laughs> None of, none of us get to where we, we need to be what did you lean into and this is what you've referenced all pretty much throughout the show did you lean into the fact that you are loved eternally you are you, there's nothing you can do to make it better or worse today tomorrow in the past at your worst at your best because none of us are at our none of us are like as he said where we should be If we lean into that, did you just lean into that enough?
0: Yeah, I listened to a little bit of your episode right before this conversation, your most recent episode that's out there. I don't know if this is going in your next one, but um, uh, you were talking with your co-host about Brendan Manning and talking about the fact that he was, you know, he was a drunk. Uh, You know, uh, and and I, you know, I one thing I can tell you is Brendan Manning was somebody that I had just had the utmost respect for, but never really knew much about him at all. Never listened mm-hmm. to him preach and stuff like that. But I was always majorly respectful of the influence he had on the life of, um Rich, uh, gosh, what was it? Rich Mullins. Rich Mullins, yep. Mm-hmm. And the Ragamuffin Gospel, uh or the Ragamuffin Band. And so he al- he always talked about Brendan Manning. He always talked about Brendan Manning. And so I, just the, the amount of the amount of love and adoration and respect that Rich Mullins had for Brennan Manning just blew my mind. And it just, I, I just absorbed it. So then all of a sudden, a friend of mine read me or uh, gave me a book. He gave me a gift of a book called Ruthless Trust by Brennan Manning. And I read it and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, wow, is this so life-giving. And then a couple years later, I read his memoir that he co- All is Grace. All is Grace. And and this guy was in touch with, this is a guy who knew his union with Divine. And he's a guy who knew that, you know what, I could be a sex addict- I could be a porn-addicted human being, I could be a drunk, and alcoholic, I could be a divorcee four, five, six, seven times, and it never negates my worth and value to be able to preach the good news of the kingdom of God to this world.
1: Yeah. His last, and you know this, and we'll wrap this up here, but his last time that he spoke And he's, and he told, and if you, if you go out and read the book, or I would even suggest you listen to the audio version of the book, all is grace. That's his memoir. It's just incredible, right? He gets up on stage and because of the effects of alcoholism that he's dealt with since he was 16 years old, his mind just goes blank. He says, he basically says in this, uh, this memoir, I could have these are things that I did hundreds and thousands of times during my life. And I couldn't, I, my mind just went totally blank. I couldn't do anything. I stood there in front of this crowd. This was the, like the first night of this two or three night session that he was supposed to do. With, he was sharing this stage with another man. And he couldn't come up. He just was completely blank. And after a few moments, eventually these folks just started to stand up in the audience and they started to clap. And they gave him a standing ovation, and he said, not a word. And then he says, the next day, I, I went on to speak. But that was one of the most, he says, that was one of the most powerful things, <laughs> times I'd ever, and these people, he, he, he I think they had referenced some of these people come up and say, that's the most powerful experience they'd ever had with Brennan, and he didn't speak a word.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. because, uh, well, you know what, I there's so much I want to say about that, and 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 it would just carry this conversation far into uh, like a, a mega episode. That so maybe another time, Troy. I, I would love to talk about how we. I, I I'll just let me just say it this to just, summarize.
1: Just keep. Just keep the, we're we're good on time. If you want to, we can. We I can bust this thing up if we had to. Or whatever, oh, don't bust but... this
0: thing up, man. No, okay, so what, no, g- I won't g- do that. Because g- if you bust it up, I promise you, there there will be people who desperately intend that they. Absolutely intend to listen to, to listen the second to part, but they, they but life will yeah. get in the way for some of them. Yeah. So what I'll just say is this. I just recently had a client who's I, I said, How can I serve you? Because Cliff, I just want to know if you can help me uh, play bigger and, you know, get some ideas and to brainstorm and get some creative thinking about how I can play bigger in this world, in life and in business. And and then all of a sudden I said, well, what does this mean to play bigger in life? And he told me that. And what does this mean to play bigger in business? And he told me that. And, uh, and there were five different bullet points. And one of the bullet points is reach more people. And I'm like, okay, I can teach you how to reach 7 billion people in 30 seconds if you want. And I did. Now, if anybody wants to know how I did that, email me, cliff at cliffravenscraft.com. Tell me why you would like to coach with me and what you would like to experience in this life, and I can also demonstrate for you how you can uh, reach 7 billion people all at once. All right. Now, the next thing is, is he says... Cliff, you know, the, another thing that it means to me to play bigger in life or in, I'm sorry, to be bigger in business is to have impact with people beyond the surface. To go deeper than just surface level. And I sit there and and, and this is the way I described it to her. I said, have you ever been walking down the street and you're not necessarily in a bad mood? You're not in an overly good mood. You're just in a n- neutral state. You know, it's just like, it is what it is, Yeah, know, it's, 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 it's a day, you know, and have you ever been walking down the street and then all of a sudden, your, somebody's approaching you, you know, you're walking normal rate, they're walking normal rate, and you look up and you make eye contact, and there's this eye-to-eye kind of thing happening, and then all of a sudden, there, you see the shift in the muscles on their face, and they turn it into a smile, and all of a sudden, something inside of you, there's something that wells up inside of you and your spirit is lifted and you smile back. It reflects on your face. And, and there doesn't even have to be a nod, but maybe it's just an unconscious, even without actually nodding, there's an inner nodding between your spirit and that person's spirit. Have you ever experienced, Troy, have you ever experienced this? absolutely now let me ask you did that person interact with you in a way that's below the surface deeper than surface level
1: i would say yes in a sense they touch your soul right uh, is there any is
0: there any deeper way you could actually impact somebody else's life and that was the actual phrase i want to impact people beyond surface level and i'm like dude if you only knew how unlimited your power is to impact every person on this planet beyond service level and you could do it right here right now in 30 seconds i will show you how to have a deep soul to soul impactful experience with 7 billion people on this planet right now and I, and and we and he did it and i said there i said let me ask you this do you feel like you figured out and had some creative ways on how you can play bigger play a bigger game in life and business? He goes, Oh, this is so much bigger than what I had thought. Wow, I was like, awesome. I was hoping that I might be able to find, you know, fifty more clients.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dude, if we only knew who we are and why we're here and what we truly want. Not what we, not, not, not if we wanted what everybody else told us what is acceptable to want or what is responsible to want or what we should want. But if we could really get down to who am I? Why am I here? And what do I want? We become limitless.
1: Mindset, answer man.